Roxo Media House. Welcome back to another episode of Talking Frogs. I'm your host, Jamie Plunkett, here in the Flying T Studios at Roxo Media House over in Clearfort, Fort Worth, Texas. It's a long name. We got a great guest, yeah. though, here in studio with us today. Kyle Luongo, assistant coach of the TC Women's Volleyball Program, is in studio with us. Kyle, thank you so much for stopping by. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you having me. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. How do you feel uh, about the studio? I know this is your, your first time here. Yeah, I mean, location is premium i think you can't beat this spot and um to just have a space to have to have people like myself and athletes and other tcu junkies in here is yeah. huge and so i think just the space itself is gonna be big time yeah we're, we're, we're really excited to uh, have this thing rolling now thank you for for stopping by so let's get right into it um you know you've been here this is your third season now as, as an assistant coach for the volleyball program but i kind of want to go back in time a little bit first and hear more about you growing up, you obviously played at Pepperdine. You know, arguably, people are saying, many people are saying that you're arguably one of the best setters ever to play at Pierce College. So, you know, we've got to we've got to hear a little bit more about Kyle Luongo growing up out in California. Tell me, tell me your yeah. story. Yeah, sure. So, uh, I got into volleyball because my older brother was playing, and he okay. just, he just kind of like said like you should try out. I'm like, All right, sure, I'll try out. And um, yeah, and then volleyball especially when I was playing, there was still not a lot of elite programs in the country. It's still a very like young sport in that regard. Mm -hmm. um, but Pepperdine was one of the few, like that was year in and year out competing for a title. And so uh, pretty quickly, anybody would want to play at Pepperdine. And so it came, became like this target, this vision, this goal that I would hope to do someday. Um, but out of high school, like, you know, didn't hear from Pepperdine. And mm -hmm. so went to Pierce College, which is a junior college in Southern California, and uh, junior college volleyball in California is still pretty competitive, mm -hmm. and so played a couple years there. We, we lost in the state finals my first year, and then lost in the state semifinals my second year, so yeah, not, not the ideal yeah. uh, results, but yeah, experienced a lot of growth just as a person, because that program, I don't think I've been a part of a program that has... Um, more pride in uh, how they do things. Mm -hmm. uh, so Pier we're the Brahmas at Pierce, which is a humongous bowl or something. <laughs> and um, we would practice at 6 a.m. all year. And I lived an hour away, so I would wake up at 4, wow. 30 in the morning. Me and a teammate, we would commute to practice. So we'd leave our house at like 4.45 to drive there for practice. And so it definitely required a lot of us just to get there. Yeah, But um, it was just what you did. And uh, so we would... We would commute. We'd wake up at four, um, but yeah. Then, kind of fast forwarding a little bit, um, to after two years there, started mm -hmm. to look into opportunities and really, really wanted to play at Pepperdine. And so contacted Marv, who's the head coach there, was the head coach there, and he came and watched a match. And then we talked and basically said, like, if you if you want to be here, we have a spot for you. And so. Um, yeah, and then and then made my way to Pepperdine, and so that's a very very quick quick uh, way that how I got there. But um, yeah, I think with volleyball, especially on the men's side, the, the opportunities are pretty limited, and so okay. um, trying to get to the highest level possible was important to me. And so being at Pepperdine was uh, huge. So yeah, and so you you it, it sounds a little bit like uh, junior college volleyball in California is similar to junior college football 
in the state of Texas where you can you can throw a rock in any direction and hit a really successful junior college program that yeah. has cre- that has you know produced a lot of D1 talent For sure. uh, from those ranks. Um, so it's impressive, right? That you you worked your tail off, you got to Pierce, and then now you you went you played at Pepperdine. But yeah. you know you had um, a lot of coaching opportunities. I, you know, I, one of my notes that I have here is that. You know, once you finished, you coached a little bit at um, Heritage Christian School, mm-hmm. and you coached both the, the men's and the women's programs there. What was that like, not only getting into coaching at the high school level, but then all of a sudden you're in charge of two programs at the same time? Yeah, so my friend was the AD, and so I was teaching and coaching, kind of like in a, I have a private K-12, through and kind of right out of college, and was really enjoying it, mm-hmm. and... Um, yeah, and then all of a sudden, the other team needed a head coach, and he's, he was bugging me over and over. Like, no, 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 no. I, I, one team's enough. Like, I want to kind of just be great here and not kind of spread myself too thin. Um, but he definitely worked at me over and over, like Chinese water tor- torture. <laughs> and uh, he, yeah, he, t- he talked me into it is the kind of the short of it, but ended up being a blast coaching the guys because I think, um, again, kind of talk about like the men's opportunities are a little more limited. And so the idea of coaching the boys team was kind of like, I wasn't super enthused to do it initially. Cause I was sure. like, well, like the women's game is the one that has more opportunity, more growth. And so, um, that's kind of where I wanted to mainly stay. And so, but to be able to like have influence on the whole volleyball program of a school was pretty cool. And especially I was, I don't know, was I 20? Four twenty-five at that time. So I think even just being young and doing that, I learned a lot um, of what to do and definitely a lot of what not to do of mm-hmm. trying to lead a program well. Um, and yeah, and then honestly, a few years after that, like kind of had a, a mini quarter life crisis of uh, is this what I want to do long term? Because mm-hmm. I loved coaching, but I, I didn't, I, I was still feeling a little bit like I, I wanted more and uh, the collegiate game is where obviously you can just dive fully into it. And uh, Marv uh, at Pepperdine would always say, like, get to the highest level you can and then stay there as long as you can. Mm. And so with hopping into collegiate coaching, it wasn't like, hey, I want to jump into a mid-level D1 program or a D3 or D2. Like, I want to see, like, how high can I get right away? And with volleyball, with I think many other sports, like the volunteer position is a natural gateway into a high-level program. And so... Uh, my wife, Melissa, and I had been married for maybe six months, and then uh, University of Michigan, which had been in the final four the previous year, needed a volunteer assistant. And so, like, hey, babe, uh, let's move across country for a job that pays me zero dollars, and uh, surprisingly, she was totally on board. I think she just saw what the future could look like in collegiate athletics, mm-hmm. but yeah, we moved to Ann Arbor for a volunteer job. I actually met the team in Argentina because we were on a foreign tour, so that's how I started the job. Oh my gosh. was in Argentina, and then we came back and then moved to Ann Arbor, but um, getting into the collegiate game was really important to me, and jumping right into the Big Ten, where every match is a big deal, thousands mm-hmm. of people every game, um, and to learn from the Rosens, but um, just to immediately get thrown into the highest level of volleyball in the country was huge for my growth, and it really ignited the, the fire to, like, this is what I want to do. It wasn't like the, the K through 12 teach and coach. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I, I want this to be what I do all the time. And so, yeah. 
So you had this opportunity at Michigan, which is just such an incredible opportunity. Sounds like it was hectic right out of the gate, meeting the team in Argentina. But was there a moment in your collegiate career or maybe when you were still at junior college level where you thought, you know, coaching is is something that's intriguing to me? Kind of tell me how you got from playing into coaching. Yeah, so while I was playing, I was coaching club. Okay. So I coached little club teams, like 15-year-old teams or 16-year-old teams. And uh, I think part of that was just because I was a volleyball junkie. And so it was just Mm -hmm. uh, selfishly a way to be around the game more. Um, And then also you make a little money too. And so I think initially the the desire to coach while I was still a student at Pepperdine was just I could make money and uh, I could be around the game a little more. And so, um, but when you're around great coaches, you tend to then like think like, what if I can be that person for somebody like how that, how they are for me. And so the the influence coaches have is just ridiculous and so um having yeah having a desire to have that influence for others pretty quickly like kind of spurred that for me but um yeah initially my coaching was just yeah just club stuff and then the real first like legit thing was taking that leap to ann arbor Mm -hmm. and just going for it and so yeah so after a year at Ann Arbor, you had an, a very rare opportunity for folks to go back to your alma mater as a coach. What was that like going back to Pepperdine, having played there, and then having the opportunity to coach there as well? Yeah, when we, when we moved to Ann Arbor, we, we, we moved knowing that it was likely because of the way college coaching works that we would never get back home. It's mm-hmm. just the way you, you can't control what jobs open. And so we just kind of knew, like, we might be in Ann Arbor for a couple of years. Then we might get a job in somewhere else in the Midwest. Like, we just knew... That's just the nature of the job. You don't pick and choose completely where you go. Um, but I was thankful um, because uh, for like the 10 months we lived in Ann Arbor, for like eight of them were winter. And it's just, <laughs> uh, as a Southern Californian, that was just a little brutal. Like you know, car doors are frozen shut. And I'm calling Mark. I'm like, hey, I can't get to work today. My car door is frozen shut. And he's like, oh, don't be ridiculous. You just got to do this and this. And it breaks the ice. And uh, just a lifestyle that I definitely was not used to. But... Um, the passion of, uh, of sports up there is amazing. Um, but anyways, like you said, like the ability to go back to your alma mater, like anyone, there's obviously a draw to go back to where you were and there's something mm-hmm. special about that. And so to get back there so quick was unexpected. I mean, we literally road tripped out to Michigan, lived there for like nine months and then road tripped the same back. We basically just backtracked back to our same place back in Southern California. And so, um, but coaching at alma mater, I think the things that stand out to me is like as a student athlete, I knew what they went through, and mm-hmm. so there's just a there's a just a deeper level of connection with the athletes you're coaching because you you truly know what they're going through because you did it yourself. Like I even would know the professors they had because I had that professor, and so I think that connection was pretty cool. And then after the connection's great too because now you're fellow alums of the same institution, and so there's just a deeper. Um, yeah, there's just a deeper, deeper level of connection that I think was really enticing. And anyone who goes to Pepperdine, there's just a, I think it draws a certain person to it. And mm-hmm. so, because it doesn't have everything, but what it does have is pretty cool. And so, um, being able to be back there, coach there, be around Marv and the men's program still was huge for my growth as a coach as well. And so, um, yeah, I think Pepperdine's a special place and obviously it's special for me. And so to start my coaching career kind of there, was uh it's pretty cool so yeah and you know 
it's really in- intriguing to me that you you would be in this position, and I believe there was maybe a coaching change that took place around 2018, and mm-hmm. and so the, the opportunity opened up here at TCU. What uh, kind of attracted you to the opportunity here at TCU? Besides, you know, obviously there's no winter like there is up in Michigan. Yes, yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, to to be honest, like TCU, I kind of had my eye on TCU early on in my coaching career as like a place that I'd love to be. Mm-hmm. Um, like even when I was at Michigan, I think like just like when as coaches you kind of think of places that like if those spots open up I'm definitely going to pursue that or at least I think I will and TCU is always a spot that was on like that like list that I had of like this is a school that I would pursue if the time mm-hmm. was right and I think part of that was um, we, we love the idea of living in Texas and I mean truthfully having a young family in Southern California is challenging like yeah. it just has a way of wringing you out dry and so uh, the challenges of just living in Southern California and living close to Pepperdine, which is an s- extremely uh, wealthy area of Southern California, just mm-hmm. it just created a lot of challenges. And so I think even just practically, it made sense at some point to, to move on from Pepperdine to somewhere else. And so with TCU, in, in many ways, like it's like a bigger, better Pepperdine. Um, and that's not a knock on Pep because of I love course. Pepperdine. But athletics is a huge deal here. But we still have that awesome, like, small campus feel. I can walk both, like, corner to corner of campus in 10, 15 minutes. Um, Academics is a big deal here, private school. And the support of athletics is is huge. And there's a lot of passion here with Mm -hmm. with being in a big city of uh, just all things TCU. And so um, TCU was a draw for me really early on. And then now with recently, like, the the volleyball in DFW is – ridiculously good like it's better than southern california where i think culturally volleyball is a big deal in southern california because the beaches and it's just kind of more the vibe sure but the actual talent in the dfw metroplex is better by a lot and so even just the ability to be in a place where like the best players in the country are honestly a drive away and so like can we get those players can we also because we're a great institution pull other players in and build a powerhouse and Mm so i think as you talk to you, and I'm sure you do, but like all the other coaches uh, here at TCU, I think there's just this belief that there's no reason TCU can't be elite in any sport it competes in. And so uh, I believe that with the volleyball program and now with Jason here, I totally believe it. And so now it's just a matter of uh, getting it done, you know, not screwing it up. So, yeah, just yeah. yeah, just not dropping the ball at exactly. this point, you know, and it, it has to help too. Now, obviously, the the program went through a head coaching change this last off season. Jason Williams came in; he was the associate head coach at Baylor for yeah. a few years prior. But he's from Plano; he's from this area; he knows it really well. And when I had a chance to sit down with him back in January, he said the same thing that you're saying now. There's no reason that TCU yeah. can't have the level of success that Baylor's had or higher, uh, you know, get to those programs, you know, like the Nebraska's and, and the Michigan's and, and those kind of big 10 programs that you've been a part of as well, yeah. uh, as far as level of success is concerned. But you managed still, you know, talking about the re- recruiting area, you managed to pull in some really good recruiting classes over at Pepperdine. What are the challenges? I know that you've, we've talked a little bit about how just fertile the recruiting ground is here, but what are the challenges to getting a kid to TCU versus some of these other schools? Yeah, I think the challenge is, is one is it's like you just mentioned, it is so competitive. Mm-hmm. It is so competitive for these top tier athletes. And um, I think the challenge is athletes sometimes uh, when you're not a program that is uh, in the moment having the, the success you want, it, athletes will 
they'll, they'll kind of get tunnel vision and say like, well, is that just what that program is always going to be like? Mm. And so you, you want to talk to them about like the vision you have for this program and uh, the right people will, will believe it. They'll, they'll see it and they'll know it can happen and they want to be part of that change. And so even with Jason coming in, like we're starting to pull in athletes that are like, I want to be part of this change. We're like, when, when they look at the timeline of TCU volleyball and they're like, here's the clear spike up. Yeah. They're like, I was one of those people that created that spike. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's a big part of it is athletes tend to look at who's already successful. And I just want to go be another person of that already uh, established program where it's like, Hey, why don't you be the first one here? Yeah. And so that that's an important part of it, but that's challenging because there's a risk for the athlete to do that. Um, but other than that, I wouldn't say there's any like natural, like explicit barriers to us getting great athletes. I think it's just, mm-hmm. again, like us not screwing it up and uh, making sure they really understand what TCU and what this uh, program is all about. And so, um, yeah, we're excited about it. I think recruiting has been heating up for sure, which is awesome for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the more we get people around us and around our team and see what we're doing and kind of latch on to Jason's vision, I think it's hard not to want to be a part of it. So It sounds like you guys are about to follow the same trajectory that TCU basketball has seen under Jamie Dixon where, you know, there were, there were a, lot, a lot of years of, of kind of just tough struggles, you know, working mm-hmm. through some things, figuring some things out, and then, you know, getting some guys into that program who had that same kind of that same kind of vision where, you know, I, they could go continue the legacy of a program somewhere else or, or create their own legacy, sure. uh, you know, on campus here with guys like Henrich Williams, Desmond Bain, now Mike Miles, like these yeah. guys that have really kind of turned things around over there. That's really cool to hear uh, that, that you guys are starting to cast that vision for some of these potential student athletes and, yeah. and uh, you know, hopefully getting things turned around. It's, it's already started to kind of shift, it seems. You know, just in the, in the 13 matches that you guys have played this year, really challenged yourselves in non-conference with some you know elite level programs uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin both coming down here obviously the Big 12 conference is is no walk in the park either everybody seems to be kind of peaking this time of year and uh, tell me though you know first year coach Jason Williams uh, you know you made it through this transition and and are still here in your third year what what changes have you started to see within the program under coach Williams leadership yeah, no, I definitely made it through the transition. That was a nice way of putting that. Like, I, I still have a job, so that yeah. was huge. Uh, with the wife and kids, that was definitely a, mm-hmm. a challenging time because you're like, well, crap, like, we don't want to, we don't want to move. We don't want to leave. We were starting to feel like we really get invested into TCU, Fort Worth, um, because when I initially got hired, it was right at, right at the beginning of the COVID pandemic. And so just yeah. a really awkward and challenging time to begin mm-hmm. um, a job and live in a new place. And so... Anyways, yeah, surviving the transition was huge. Um, And I knew Jason, and so when I knew he was in the mix, I was definitely hoping and pulling that he would get that job because I had a good feeling he would keep me on Mm -hmm. um, because I felt like we were like-minded with a lot of things with training and volleyball. And so, But, yeah, culturally, I think there's been a lot of changes. I think if if you end up talking to some of our girls, they would speak a lot of the same things. But I think from day one, Jason has told the girls, like, we are going to treat this program like an elite program. And so we're going to – we're going to do things like elite people do. We're going to perform mm. like elite people and we're going to hold you to that standard. Like there is no like comparing to this and that it's just comparing to the standard. And are we at the standard? Yes or no. If not, then we, we keep working at it. And so um, the accountability is higher. The standard has been higher, but what also is cool is the, the, the belief in them to do it, their ability to do it, I think is still present. So it's not like this beat down of them. Like you're not the standard, you're not the standard, you're not there, you're not there. 
um, I think the players would also feel like we, we believe in their ability to get there. And mm -hmm. so, and Jason makes sure to remind him, like, hey, like, he's like, I wouldn't ask you to do it if I didn't believe you could do it. And so he's like, this is not a, a year and a team where she's like, hey, like, here we go. Good job. Like, let's keep working hard. He's like, no, like, this is a team that can be scary good. And like, if we believe in it and we train and have actions and behaviors that line up with that, mm -hmm. then he's like, we will, we will be a team that's scary to play. And so that's been huge. I think, I mean, even honestly, we have this, we have this like visual, like we have this metaphor with our team that is kind of permeates everything we do now. And it, sometimes it's kind of a joke, but other times like it's, it's also just serious. It's like Jason talks about dragons and butterflies okay. and this, like this visual of like, we don't want butterflies on the court because mm -hmm. a little, little wind comes and a gust and the butterfly is gone. Right. Yeah. But like a dragon breathes fire, decimates everything in its path. Mm -hmm. And so it's just this visual picture that like the players can wrap their mind around like, I want to be a fire breathing dragon, okay. and not a butterfly. And uh, we, it ends up being an adjective to like almost anything we do. Like, hey, that was not a dragon approach right there. That was not a dragon off blocker move. And, uh, and they know exactly what we mean when we say it because mm -hmm. um, just that mindset of we want like six dragons on the court and zero butterflies. We want to be relentless. We want to just have this feisty, aggressive mindset. And um, that's a huge part of what he's put in place culturally is just like this. Yeah, we just want to unlock this mm -hmm. more aggressive and free version of them. And I think that that image is something that like definitely like we joke about sometimes, but like it's definitely like you ask anybody like uh, within our program, it is a huge part of just what we talk about every day of like you need to be a dragon. Yeah. And, and like you are a dragon. Just be the dragon. Be, be a dragon. Just do it. Just decimate everything <laughs> in your path. And um, so culturally, that's been some cool stuff with him. Um, and Jason does a good balance of like having fun. As I'm sure, just from the little bit yeah. that you talked to him, but like, Absolutely. like Jason loves to have fun and laugh, but like it's not at the expense of working hard and getting stuff done. And so there's a really good balance there of like, we we enjoy our time in the gym, we are enjoy our team away or our time away from the gym, but um, nothing is at the expense of like winning and success. And so we have that at the top, mm -hmm. and then having fun is an important part of that. And yeah. so I think that's been a cool blend that he's kind of put in place as well. Well, it sounds like the culture is starting to take root if you guys are able to take one of the kind of core tenets of, of be a dragon and joke about it and laugh with it and love it and then also know that it just that's what the standard is yeah. at the same time. That's really, yeah. that's really awesome. Um, when you think about uh, the matches that you guys have played so far this year, it's one thing, I think, for the coaching staff to believe in the standard and, and hold uh, people accountable to the standard. Uh, do you th Have you seen over the course of this season so far the the team, the players start to take uh, that standard seriously and start to kind of buy in and, and believe a little bit more? Yeah, I think I think uh, it's happening and, and change takes time. And sure. so for some players, I think they latched on right away. Mm -hmm. And then others, for whatever reason, like it just takes a little bit of time. And so, um, but I think they're starting to see that the way we train and the systems we're trying to put in place, like if there is full buy-in to it and if mm -hmm. they just go for it, like the, it is a way to play that will lead to change and success. And so I think they're seeing it. Like we, we played uh, a competitive match against Baylor. And uh, again, mm -hmm. it didn't, honestly, we, we kind of walked away from that, uh, like as a team kind of frustrated because we're like, wow, we should have, we, we had the chance to win that match. And we feel like we didn't end up playing at a level to, to kind of make that happen. And so it wasn't like a, hey, we took them to four. Sure. Whereas from the external, it could look like, hey, they took Baylor to four. That was competitive. 
but for us it's almost like man like the, we took them to four and like that wasn't like our mm-hmm. best volleyball and so uh, but then taking, I mean, even just taking care of an Iowa State, like those are just important things because I think even like a year ago, like those things just didn't happen. And so to to have the slow start we did against Iowa State, but then to just to kind of roll through the next three sets and sweep them, like that was not characteristic of the team the last couple of years. And mm-hmm. so I think they're starting to see that when we train and it, and the, and it happens in the court, uh, on the court, in the matches, um, it, it's going to help and it's going to work. And so... Um, yeah, because one of the biggest things with our with our team in terms of tactically is like we want to go as fast as possible yeah. with our offense, and so and they see that, and we remind them, hey, going faster is not easier; it's actually mm-hmm. harder, but it'll create more space for you as a hitter. And so, uh, the more they buy into that, they see the fruit of it. Because like, oh yeah, when we when we commit to our speed, like it's really hard to slow us down. And so, mm-hmm. and it's reflected in our numbers. We we talked to the girls actually just yesterday at practice at the whiteboard. We kind of showed them the the current. Uh, numbers and stats of the Big 12 teams, and Jason kind of highlighted where we were in all these different metrics. He's like, hey, in a lot of these things, like we are, we are at like we're top three or top two in a lot of these really important numbers. And like, obviously, it's been two matches in Big 12 play, but um, against two good teams, and mm-hmm. we feel like we didn't do anything like like unique or special in those games. So it's like, if we can sustain our style of play, like we will the wins will come. And so we've got to kind of stay with it. And like I said, I've got to just kind of buy into it. Yeah. Keep going. Start to see that success, yep. you know, the fruit, yep. fruit of your labor for sure. And, and I think you're right too, just watching that Baylor match. I didn't get to catch as much of the Iowa state match, but that third set, I mean, it was domination, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and yeah. there's, so there's definitely something to what you're saying that there's a level of play here that these people are, this, this team is capable of, of reaching that, that maybe um, they just, are still kind of working to unlock. It's got to help though when you've got a senior class like you do. It's just some absolutely incredible uh, women on this team: Audrey Nalls, Mackenzie Nichols, uh, Julia Adams, Michaela. Uh, you know, you've got you brought Callie in as a graduate transfer. Talk to me a little bit about the senior class and just the leadership that they've provided in this transition. Yeah, they've they've been huge. Um, I think of. Um, well, Audrey's resurgence has been really cool to see because mm-hmm. Audrey, when she was 17 and 18, like people would go to watch Audrey play a club tournament just because she hit the ball so hard. And like other girls were hitting the ball and Audrey was like crushing the ball. Mm-hmm. And so like you can hear in the convention center, like her court, like off in the distance, like, oh, is that Audrey Nalls hitting the ball? Because like it just <laughs> sounded different. Like she was just blasting the mm-hmm. ball. And so it's been really cool to see Audrey kind of have this resurgence and really buy into like that she can be a fire breathing dragon on the court because she's got this cannon of an arm Mm -hmm. and she's got this great like resiliency to her that it's been awesome to see like uh it's really awesome to see her play well and and, uh yeah and then the class as a whole i think what's cool is like there hasn't been a lot of resistance to the change like Mm -hmm. because with with jason coming in there's obviously change he's required uh requiring more of them and the accountability is higher, so it's definitely not easier for them. But I think they all—they all, they all want to win. They want—they want to experience that success. And so I think it's important that the senior leadership hasn't been like bogging down the the change process. They've actually been trying to accelerate it, which is mm-hmm. cool. Because um, yeah, Julie Adams, Mick, 
Ken, I mean, Kenzie is thrown into a challenging situation because obviously, like you mentioned, she, we, we brought in Callie, mm -hmm. Jason's daughter, and it could be really easy to spin a, a story that like brings in his daughter and like all this stuff. And Kenzie could have really easily saw that as a really negative thing and been frustrated and mm -hmm. uh, not been all in to what we're trying to do. And to Kenzie's credit, like she has been incredible through this. Um, her and Callie are like BFFs now. Which is what we are. What was our hope? We would hope mm -hmm. that they would lead this team together, because um, they have different styles. But that they would be able to lead this team, and um, their ability to do that together, we thought was huge for this team. And so, um, Kenzie's leadership has been incredible. Callie has brought a lot to this team uh, from a culture standpoint that we knew mm -hmm. was really important. Whether Callie touched the court or not, we knew that Callie, as a person, was going to be just a huge asset to this team because she has experienced success wherever she's been. And she, she is a little five, seven dragon. Like she gets the best out of people and she, she, she rides this really good balance of challenging and demanding of mm -hmm. her teammates, but also still being a great supportive teammate. She's not just on them all the time, but she's also like, uh, shares in their successes. And so Callie, um, has been a huge part of this change as well, which has been great. So self-proclaimed great grandmother of the team, great grandma, yes, uh, yes, according yeah. to her. She, she uh, lives between every single drill. It seems like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, we've got a big matchup coming up against West Virginia over yeah. at Shoal Meyer this Thursday night at seven p.m. I do believe on ESPN Plus. Tell me a little bit. Give me a little preview. What can we expect to see from the Frogs when they when they take on the Mountaineers this week? Yeah, I think we're going to see uh, how tough we are because. Um, it, it feels good to get a conference win, but mm -hmm. I think we'll see just how how hungry is this team to really like flip the script and like really just like win these matches that we know if we play our way that we can win. And so I think we'll see, um, yeah, like a different level of tenacity with this with this team with these girls because mm -hmm. I think they like you talked about earlier they they know this is just like the beginning of what it could be for this team. And so if they truly buy into that, like then these, these matches up ahead, like are matches that we, we can totally win um, if we play the way we need to play. And so with West Virginia, they're, they're a good team. They're, they have a, they have a couple attackers that are going to carry a huge load for them. So for mm -hmm. us, it's like, can we, can we execute what we need to do? Can we slow down their, their top two people? And if we can, we're confident we're going to have the offensive success that we need to win, but can we have the defensive success uh, to slow them down enough so they can't keep up with us? Right. And so, um, yeah, I think we're going into it confident, um, but I think it's a little bit of like a guarded confidence because um, John Wooden says you have to earn the right to be proud and confident, and mm. I think we're not there yet. I think we got to keep earning that right to be proud and confident because we're still changing the narrative, mm -hmm. uh, like flipping the script of TCU volleyball. And so I think as they keep putting in the work, that'll, that'll grow and grow. And this match is another opportunity to kind of continue to earn the right to be proud and confident in what they're doing. Awesome. Well, yeah. Coach, thank you so much for stopping by yep. uh, and taking the time. I know it's crazy busy to be in season and stopping to do something like this. So thank you so much. Yep. Uh, folks, you can watch. This will air on Thursday morning, so perfect timing. 
you'll watch this and then you'll go and about your day and then you'll come home 7 p.m. You'll throw on ESPN plus or even better. You'll get over to Schulmeyer arena and you'll support the Horn frogs as they take on the West Virginia Mountaineers. And at that point in time, you'll be able to celebrate with Audrey Nalls, who we've talked a little bit about here today is big 12 offensive player of the week. That's a really cool honor. Mm -hmm. First, I believe weekly honor for a TCU player since 2019. So that's a pretty big deal, right? That's a signal of this change that we've been talking about this culture shift and this expectation that winning is going to be the norm here now yep. coach again yep. thank you so much for being a part of the talking frogs podcast yeah, this you. week folks you can follow us on frogstoday.com you can watch us on the frogs today youtube channel listen wherever you get your podcasts but wherever you're getting this content just remember to like it and leave a review because that really does help us out thank you so much i'm jamie plunkett this has been another episode of talking frogs and we'll see you on the other side go frogs Roxo Media House.